Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Hey, hey, and welcome to another edition of Maximize Your Influence, episode 220. Kurt Mortensen here, as we're talking about the dark side of goals, of all things. But first of all, welcome to a new year. I hope you're excited. I mean, really, there's only two ways to look at the future. I learned this from my early mentor, Jim Rohn, a great motivational speaker. You can look at the future with great excitement, or you can look at it with great apprehension. Your choice. You get to decide. The slate is clean. It's a brand new year. Yeah, you made some stupid mistakes last year, but who didn't? We learn. We move on. We grow. Probably had a list of people that told you you couldn't do it. You know, every millionaire has a list of people that didn't believe in them. That's part of the process of learning and growing. And I'm just excited. It's a new year. I hope you're excited. I hope you're setting your goals. And I'm going to teach you a few things about goals you probably haven't thought about, the dark side and where they fail. Probably not what you're expecting to hear, but we don't sugarcoat it here on the show. We just want to give you cutting-edge information that will help you be successful to maximize your time, maximize your income, maximize your influence give you those shortcuts, give you the tools that will make the biggest difference in your success. Of course, a little housekeeping. I'm available at Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. We're on iTunes, Pinterest, Facebook at Maximize Your Influence. And if you're on Twitter, it's Influence Max. Now we're on Spotify right now, which is exciting. That's a big break for us as we hit episode 220. Now, if you want to get some of the free archives of the shows, that is InfluenceUniversity.com. That is also home of the Ph.D. 52-week Advanced Persuasion and Influence Negotiation Program. Check it out. It's all there for you. That's our housekeeping. Let's get into it. Let's talk about some things that will make a huge difference as we get you going in the new year. And I hope you're excited. It's a fresh start. In fact, I love what they do in Ecuador. My daughter was helping out and serving in an orphanage down in Ecuador. She'd graduated from high school and wanted to give back, and that's kind of fell in her lap, and it just rung true in her heart, and she went down to Ecuador on her own. I mean, she was with other people, but not her parents. Parents were concerned, but that's a whole other issue. And she helped out in a, an orphanage down there. She really liked it. She was already really good at Spanish, so this only helped out. But here's what I want to share with you. She was down there for the new year, right, January 1st, and on December 31st, they did something that I love. I think you might want to embrace this. Everybody was buying these little bodies, bodies of humans. I mean, they were obviously dummies, and they had little shirts on, and people would write on them. They would stuff notes in their pockets about what they didn't like about last year, the habits they want to overcome, the things they want to forget about. They would stuff them in these pockets. They'd write them on the bodies. And when it would approach the midnight hour on December 31st, approaching January 1st, they would light it on fire and jump across it. You know, jumping over the body, signifying they've overcome this habit. They've overcome this past mistake. They've overcome this regret. They've overcome this person that's wronged them. And I think, man, that's great. Even if you wrote it on a piece of paper and burned it, whatever you need to do, 
let's move on. It's a new year. Let's get excited about where we're going, what's happening, your goals and business and life with your family. Get out of despair. Get out of fear. Get out of apprehension. and Just be excited for the things that you can control and the things that you can change. And so I'm excited for you as we go through this. Now, as we get started this year, this is probably a new one for many of you. A lot of times we talk about the persuasion blunder and, of course, the persuasion ninja. Today we are going to do the blinja, blinja go. Don't, don't, don't. That's our sound for blinja, a little combination there, which is a combination of blunder and ninja. It's a little bit of both. And that's why we have to talk about the power of goal setting and even the dark side of goal setting. And I want to focus, first of all, now let me spend a few minutes and talk about the bright side of goal setting because it works. We hear it every new year. And now I don't have to talk about the gyms, you know, where you work out in January versus February. It's, it's a joke, but it's true. And we set these goals and why do we fail? Do they work? Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. And I want to give you some clarifications to help you out. Now, first of all, I'm a big believer. I used to go to those seminars and listen to those millionaires talk about vision, mindset, and goal setting and say, okay, yeah, yeah, whatever. Give me the tools. Give me the tools. Come on. And it didn't happen for me until I, did, I realized those are the tools. Goals are the most important thing. Every book on success talks about goals. But again, they're so abused and overused. And I think to the point where we cringe and moan, we get upset when we hear about it. Oh, yeah, goal setting. So let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, we know based on research that goals dictate performance. Production plant workers that had goals accomplished three times more than the ones who said, do your best, do your best. They increase our success rates. Some studies show we will accomplish 10 times more over 10, 20 years. It keeps us focused on what's important when we review our goals and our progress towards those goals and keeps us focused on that thing that we want to accomplish. Goals done in the right way can unify a team or even motivate an individual to greater heights. We accomplish more than we ever dreamt possible, and it does improve happiness. When you think about the happiest time in your life, you were pursuing or worthwhile, exciting goals. We're humans. We need goals. A lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to do goals. I might fail. Cause, and that's true. But if you don't set goals, you're going to fail anyway. So you're a lot closer to that target <laughs> when you set goals. And if you don't like the word goals, change the name to target objective. I don't care. As long as you're shooting towards something and getting closer to something, we need goals. Not having goals is like a ship without a rudder. We're just, as humans, just bobbing around in the sea of life, accomplishing nothing. And we won't be happy that way. So that is the positive side. And I'll spend more time on that probably in later in the year, February, when you need a little umph, a little boost with your goals. Let's talk a little bit about where goals can hurt that dark side, especially in the business place or if you have sales goals or negotiation goals. When goals are overwhelming, they're too big, they're not realistic, they're not believable, they'll suck the life out of people. They'll go through the motions, but they don't believe it, they're not going to do it. If the mind can't see it, it's not going to happen. Sometimes we're given a goal and we have no direction, we have no tools, we have no motivation, or even worse, we have no why. Now, why try? Why are we doing this? We're just assigned a goal randomly and it just sucks the life out of us because there's no direction, there's no tools, it was just given to us. And if you want someone to be successful with goals, there has to be a why behind it. Why are we doing this? Why are we working so hard? Because without that, there's no ownership. They don't know where they fit in or why they're going to do it. We see this in the sales world a lot of time, like, ooh, trip to Hawaii, do this and this, trip to Hawaii. And man, is it so motivating for the top 20%. But to the other 80%, it's like, oh, yeah, why try? It's not going to work. We never win. We don't have the best territory. They've been doing it longer. And it's very 
demoralizing and demotivating, we have to be very careful of that and how we do that. So I was reading an interesting article. This is from Harvard called Goals Gone Wild, of all things. And it was a collaboration of Arizona University, University of Pennsylvania, Northwestern, and Harvard. And they did a little digging. And, of course, they found out that goal setting is one of the most replicated and influential paradigms in the management of literature. It's there. Set your goals. Do this. Be your best. It's there. And, again, I talked about the positive side of that, but then there's that negative side where they talked about Sears, Roebuck & Company. They're not around very much anymore, but they had this great goal for their mechanics. I don't even think Sears have mechanics anymore because of this, that they were all going to average $147 an hour in repairs. Well, that was way out there. It was a huge goal, and it's nice that goals stretch you, but sometimes it can cause a little unethical behavior. And what it did is it motivated Sears employees to deceive customers. And it created an environment where they were deceptive and overcharging and making things up, and it caused a huge problem. And when that went public, of course, the rest is history. When uh, Ford was losing market share to the smaller, more fuel-efficient cars that were imported overseas, Lee Iacocca announced that there would be a challenge. They wanted to produce a car that was 2,000 pounds and under $2,000, right? They worked on it, they did this, and they created what they called the Ford Pinto. <laughs> Have you ever driven one? My older brother had one. That was one of his first cars. Yeah, but anyway, if you know anything about these Pintos, they blow up when their rear ended. And Ford knew this, but it would cost them too much to re-engineer it. They calculated it would be cheaper to pay off lawsuits than to actually fix it. Ouch. Sometimes the dark side is goals are too specific. They're so narrow that we miss the big picture. We miss out on the things that are the most important. So sometimes we choose the most specific things that we think are driving the business, but we forget about maybe human nature. We forget about trust. We forget about human connection and those type of things. They talked about the famous study, and you can find this, the Grill Study, on YouTube. I mentioned this in my book, Maximum Influence. You look at this video, okay, and there's some, there's some players in white, basketball jerseys, some in black, and you count how many times they pass the ball, and that's where your focus is. And right in the middle of this, a gorilla, somebody in a gorilla suit, someone's walking through, walking through in a gorilla suit, and nobody sees it because they're so focused on the white shirt, black shirt, and the passing that nobody sees it. It's very, very, very rare that anybody sees it. And that's the challenge. When our goals are too focused or it looks too difficult, that's the challenge. For example, university professors, I'll rip on those. I teach at a university, right? Their main goal, their main thing is getting published, getting published, getting published. That is the most important thing. You know, a student thinks it's the evaluations and being a teacher and being a good professor. No, no, no. No, no. If they get published, that's all that matters. And so they don't show up to class. They don't teach a good class. They don't work on their teaching skills. They don't become charismatic because that doesn't matter. Now, it kind of does down the road, but the main thing is getting published, and that's where all their energies focus, and that's what you get, if that's what you want. But now you've got a lot of students that are upset with their education because they had a lot of bad professors that didn't care about them, not all of them, but they just focus on getting published. Now, on the flip side of that, sometimes we have too many goals. When we're pursuing multiple goals at the same time, right? I don't remember the saying, but you try to catch three or four chickens at the same time, you're not going to catch any of them. And that's the same type of thing to where quantity versus quality 
you have to really take a look that goals that are easier to achieve and measure, the quantity, are given more attention than other goals. For example, such as quality or a multi-goal situations. So we tend to go after the goals that are easier to achieve that we can measure and quantify. That's another thing. Make sure you quantify it. What does it mean to be the best? What does it mean to be the the top salesperson? I mean, what is the number? How do you quantify those type of things? And that's very important too. So people can quantify and measure how well they're doing. Nothing's worse than having a goal that you can't quantify, that you can't measure, that will suck the life and enthusiasm of everybody. You know, we're doing better, good job, and you can't prove that? Yeah, that could be a challenge. Another dark side too is with the time. The deadline is inappropriate. It's not realistic. It's not believable. And I'm going to throw into there too, maybe it's too big. Sometimes four, five, six, seven goals might be better than one big goal. So it's believable. Shorter goals, shorter targets, shorter objectives to get there. And if you're going to put a deadline on a goal, make sure you let them know why and why it's important. And you don't just let them know on that day. You follow up all the way along how close they're getting to that deadline. Now, here's an interesting dark side they found that when goals are too challenging, you know, overwhelming, we tune out. But it also found what's interesting that when they had these goals, they want to stretch people, that in negotiation situations, people made larger demands. They tend to destroy value. They wouldn't give in. They would tend to lie a little more. And they found a direct link between goal setting and cheating that when people felt that it was too big or too high or too challenging, it increased cheating and deception. Isn't that interesting? So you've got to be careful. When it's way out there and they've got nothing to lose, they're going to cheat. They might be deceptive. They might make up some numbers. Look at Wells Fargo. They had these big goals and they were just making up numbers, making up people that didn't even exist that had bank accounts because they had certain goals that they had to get to. In one study, they mentioned that when we are narrowly focused on a performance goal, we're less likely to try alternative methods that could help us learn how to master perform that task. We get so focused on doing it and getting it done, we're not looking for other ways to do it. Maybe there's better alternatives. Maybe there's other people that we can talk to that we can work with that can make a big difference. Now, the blinger, the dark, man, probably the good set of goals is competition. And that's a great thing about goals. They can create competition when it's done the right way. If you can if you can create a whole organization that's rallying around a goal, that could be very beneficial. But if it's dividing an organization, dividing a sales force, because studies do show goals that promote competition rather than cooperation, they lower overall performance. So be careful there. Competition can be a good thing if you've got the whole team or organization on board to be able to do that. But if it's dividing a team, an organization, a company, that could really backfire on itself. So that's the thing about goals and motivation. When goals are using extrinsic motivation, external things, it can harm intrinsic or internal motivation. See, by setting goals, managers and leaders might be going after those external things, the goals, rewards, the vacation, instead of doing the job internally, doing it for themselves, the pride of doing your best, the issue of changing the world. Because we've talked about motivation on the show before. In fact, on episode 67, if you want to go to Influence University and look at the archives, we talked about how to motivate yourself when your boss doesn't. And that one of the key was is internal motivation lasts a lot longer, feels a lot better, is more motivating and makes you happier versus external things like doing it for others or that goal or that reward or not going bankrupt or not getting kicked out of your house is good short-term motivation 
but you, you lose the long-term motivation. So the authors of this study, they were all into goals, and they supported goals. I mean, Harvard's one of the big places that supports goals, and they've seen the benefits of that. But it's good to realize the dark side when it's not done the right way. You have to really understand how do you really set your goals in the right way. And think about the dark side. We don't have a lot of time today to go into the right way to set your goals, but let me give you a few tools to help you out as you start the new year and understand how this works out. There's a great book out there called Nudge by Richard Thaler. Talks about behavioral economics. We call it a maximum influence foot in the door. It's also called sequential request to where you could nudge people. You could slowly persuade people a little bit at a time. For example, they talked about the book Nudge that at a grocery store, if the unhealthy foods were less convenient, then more people would buy healthy foods. That little extra step to get there. We also with foot in the door, if you ask them for two hours at a time, you're less likely to yes than ask for 10 minutes initially. A little foot in the door, a little sequential request, get any yeses. That's how they are. But they also found that nudge can backfire on you. When people can see right through it, like they see the green arrows for your health and people see right through it, it does help sales for some people. Other people, I just, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to buy it just because you're trying to make me do it. And they get a little resistance. Because we know that some people, even though they want it, need it like it, can afford it, they're going to resist you. And that's what the challenge with nudge. Sometimes you can nudge them, slowly persuade them. But some people, once they sense it, once it gets on the radar, they are going to resist you. Because even when the nudges work, they might not achieve the ultimate goal. Because if they're trying to focus on a specific behavior, you might get a different behavior. And you're saying, okay, Kurt, why are you talking about this with goals and the dark side of goals? Because it's been interesting, as I've been doing some research on this lately, that we have different styles and different personalities. Some people need options when you're trying to close them into the sale to feel like they're making a choice, and some people don't care. And so as you look at your goals this year, I want you to ask yourself, are you a nudge person or a net person? This is what I mean by that. A nudge person is a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time to get you where you need to be. A net person is one of my favorite sayings that says, jump and the net will appear. Wasn't it Cortez when he went to South America with his armies, burned the boats they had to win? That's jump and the net will appear. So if you're thinking about a weight loss goal, or it could be anything, are you a nudge person? Where maybe the first week of the year, you're just going to put on your exercise clothes and go down and read the manual about your new exercise bike. The second week, you're going to put on your exercise clothes and maybe just sit on your exercise bike while you're watching TV. Maybe the third week, you're just going to do five minutes. Maybe the fourth week, right, you see what we're doing? A little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. So by two months... You're doing 45 minutes a day, and you got yourself there a little bit at a time, and that might be your personality. And nudge works really well if you've had a lot of previous failures with weight loss or other things, or you have a tendency to get overwhelmed, or if you're the type of person that has to have all your ducks in a row before you get started, or you're not getting a lot of support from the people around you, maybe you're a nudge person. And, and I'll tell you what, I don't care which ones you choose. I don't care. If you're a nudge person, great. If you're jumping the net will appear person, I'm okay, but you need to choose one. Now, the net's awesome. Jump of the net will appear. Maybe it's worked for you in the past where you've just gone cold turkey, quitting smoking or losing weight or doing other things. Jump of the net will appear works better if you're at rock bottom. There's a lot of people that are close to you that hold you accountable, a lot of social support, people that you have to report to every day that you've exercised your 45 minutes, that you've done this, you've done this. And you can handle some of the setbacks. That's part of the process. It's a good part to jump and the net will appear. Now, if you're going to do the jump, there's got to be a consequence. If you're going to say, no, I'm doing it, starting tomorrow, 45 minutes a day, 
you've got to have a consequence, meaning if you don't exercise 45 minutes, you'll exercise 30. You've got to add that extra 15 minutes on the next day. And if there's a reward with that, maybe it's a scoop of frozen yogurt after dinner. There has to be a kind of a consequence, a reward punishment with that type of thing. You can't just let it go. If you say you're going to make 100 calls a day and you only make 80, the consequence the next day it's 120. If you do make 100, maybe you get an extra 10 minutes for lunch or a treat for lunch or whatever it is. But choose one. If what you've tried in the past has not worked, try a different one. If you've tried nudge in the past, try jumping the net will appear. If you've tried that in the past, which once you've had, try a little nudging. Try a little nudging. Come up with like a seven nudges over seven weeks that will get you on track to help you achieve your goals. Just saying. Goals are good. I'm with you. I want you to do it. There's the dark side. you got to be careful. If it's just not always good, we got to look at both sides of everything. That's what makes us successful. So this is Self-Persuasion 101. Very important to understand as you lead yourself and lead your team. But master these skills, become a better persuader, become a better leader, and go out and persuade with power. 